So you're using a self-directed IRA to invest in real estate, precious metals, or just about anything you want. Hey, good for you, but that doesn't mean you're free from having to make the traditional versus Roth choice. A couple of days ago, we got into the basics of that distinction. Today, we dig a lot deeper. I'm Brian Ellis. Let's take a look. It's time. He's here. Now, broadcasting from SDI Central Command in the depths of his hidden compound located far from the rot of Wall Street and Washington. We've again established contact with our leader, Brian Ellis. Hello, Self-Directed Investor Nation. Welcome to the broadcast of record for savvy, self-directed investors like you. I am Brian Ellis, your humble host, here to guide you on another day of relentless pursuit of investment excellence. This is the show where the best stock is the one that you sell in order to buy a real asset. (laughs) This is the show where the only good tax is a tax you can legally avoid. This is the show where the only place we have for political correctness is when we mock it. (laughs) My friends, we have a great, great show in store for you today. This is uh, brought to you by selfdirected.org. Selfdirected.org is the Internet's number one leading independent resource for self-directed IRA and solo 401k users. And this is episode number 258 of this show. That means that you can get access to recordings of this show uh, along with links and transcripts and resources uh, for everything that I mentioned today at selfdirected.org slash 258 selfdirected.org slash 258 now my friends if you would like to interact with me during the course of this show or after the show is over you can do so by sending email to feedback at selfdirected.org feedback at selfdirected.org we've got a great show for you today Uh, you know as i mentioned in the intro Uh, A couple of days ago, we started to cover the distinction between Roth and traditional IRAs, and the differences are far more substantial than merely the fact that you get a tax deduction for for traditional IRAs on the front end and you get uh, a tax cut for Roth IRAs on the back end. Those are are the headline differences, but there's a lot more to it. We're going to dig into those additional distinctions today. If you missed the original show where we talked about the basic distinctions, good news, my friends, you can get access to a recording of that show by visiting today's show notes page uh, at selfdirected.org slash 258. We are also going to talk today a little bit about the distinction between self-directed IRAs and solo 401ks. Because that is a big, big, big difference, and it will really be impactful for some of you. In the next segment, you're going to hear something that is really, really profoundly relevant today. And that is you're going to to hear uh, the lovely and talented Carol Ellis, who is uh, the co-founder of selfdirected.org, along with yours truly. She's also the news editor of selfdirected.org, and she's going to talk to you about something that's in the news right now which is the potential for large federal budget cuts and potentially uh, federal hiring freezes as well, and what that can mean for your portfolio 
in the near term and how you can prepare for that and react to it if it does in fact happen. It's going to be something for you to pay very close attention to. And beyond all of that, we've got a whole long list of questions from your fellow listeners. And I would love to add your question to the mix. And you can do that by sending me an email to feedback at selfdirected.org. Feedback at selfdirected.org. Without further delay, let's jump right back into the Roth versus traditional uh, comparison. And we've been talking with the great one, Mr. Tim Berry, about this very topic. And we have, uh, in, in the previous episode, which you can pick up at selfdirected.org slash 258, in that episode, we uh, had, had really gone through all the basics and also talked about how anybody, regardless of their income level, can uh, qualify for a Roth IRA uh, using the backdoor Roth strategy. And that's where we're going to pick up this conversation right now. I'd, I'd really like to kind of delve into some of the the other differences because there there are some really significant non-tax differences between Roths and traditional that I think don't get enough consideration from people when they're making this decision but before we do that Tim why why do we have Roth IRAs to begin with it seems to me like that's such a good deal for the taxpayer why why would the government do that well, the government did that, uh, and they did. They made it a fantastic deal for the taxpayer, uh, and they did that due to short-sightedness. It's another wonderful action by Congress. <laughs> they needed to raise revenue to do certain uh, other tax cuts, so they thought, how are we going to raise revenue? And they came up with this idea of let's create this fantastic vehicle that's going to entice everybody to move their traditional funds create a taxable event and put them inside this fantastic product. And once again, it's Congress thinking short-sightedness because they're thinking, let's raise a few billion dollars now and let's forget about the consequences 20, 30 years down the road. And thus we have this fantastic thing, the Roth, where, gosh, you can do all sorts of neat stuff to pump these things up in value and you're never going to have to pay taxes on it. So to a certain extent, they're fantastic. Okay, so what I hear you saying is that the fundamental behind-the-scenes motivation for us even having Roths to begin with is that Congress needed to figure out some way to raise revenue. They knew there were, all, there were trillions of dollars out there in, in traditional IRAs, but that money wouldn't be taxed for decades, and they wanted that money right now. So what they did is come up with the Roth IRA that would make all these people with all that money in, in, in traditionals want to convert over, but in so doing, they... They, they create a tax liability, a present-day tax liability for themselves in doing that conversion. Is, is that about the size of it? Yes, it is. They wanted the money now. Got it. Got it. Well, that that is interesting. That is interesting. Uh, and, and, it, and it probably explains why some politicians, particularly on the left, are really not very fond of Roth IRAs to this day. And uh, why do you say that? Because they're probably the ones who uh, implemented these things to get that money now. Well, yeah, yeah, and, and 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 the reality is they they want us to pay more taxes. Period, and the Roth doesn't help them with that. So it doesn't help them with that long term. Maybe it helps them with that a little bit right now because people aren't getting a a deduction for contributions. But again, it's just very short sighted. But we'll take it. I mean, it it seems like there's lots of opportunity there. Now, well, you know, let's carry on a little bit more against the politicians because I hate politicians. Oh, please, you know this, Brian. Please, continue. Uh, not only is it short-sighted of them, but now they want to renege on their deal. 
they created these fantastic things. They said, hey, everybody, give us your tax money to come on over to Rothland. And now that they see people building up Rothland, they're saying, oh, let's reconsider this. It's too good of a deal. We don't want to live up to our word anymore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they're, they're I, I don't see that, that anybody's trying to uh, withdraw Roth directly or, or anything like that presently, but I know the, the RISE Act that you and I have talked about in, in the past uh, is, to my way of thinking, that that's uh, the the present day way that, that politicians are thinking of trying to basically cut the legs out from uh, out from under particularly self-directed uh, accounts and, and also Roths generally because they're really trying to to kill the whole value of having an inherited Roth IRA to begin with. But I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. Let's talk about some of those other non-tax distinctions, Tim. Sure. Uh, with a Roth versus a traditional, if you put money into a Roth, uh, into a traditional account, what are the ramifications for taking that money out anytime before retirement? Well, anytime before retirement, uh, let's say before 59 and a half, there's a 10% penalty for taking that money out beforehand. And plus, you have to pay the, the income taxes that you had uh, saved on that. Is that correct? Absolutely. You got to pay income taxes on it plus the 10% early withdrawal penalty. Okay. So basically, you cannot withdraw money from a traditional IRA before retirement without paying taxes and a 10% penalty. Same deal cool. with, with a Roth. If you take money out of a Roth before retirement, how does that work? Well, uh, Roths are fascinating things. Uh, tax code says you get a return of your initial principal first, and that initial principal is tax-free because uh, it's a return to principal. And then any earnings on that principal will come out only after you've taken out your initial uh, principal contribution amount. So then earnings come out. You'll have to pay ordinary income taxes on that plus that 10% penalty. Interesting. So to put some numbers to it, in that example we gave a little while ago, the guy puts in five grand now. Forty years ago, forty years later, it's worth two hundred grand. Any time of that intervening forty years, he could have taken that five grand out and faced no no taxation and no penalties whatsoever. Is that correct? Correct. But the moment he takes out one penny more than that, now he's got to pay income taxes and a ten percent penalty there, as if it was a traditional. Is that correct? correct. Okay, got it, got it. So the Roth has a real advantage to my way of thinking there because it gives you some flexibility for being able to make uh, withdrawals prior to retirement. Am I missing something about that or is that correct? No, it gives, it does give you some flexibility. Uh, the question mark is, is that flexibility enough? Is the principle enough? But Hey, it gives you a little bit of money, uh, to take out tax free, change your mind. Well, yeah. And for the, for the person putting in you know, three, four, five thousand dollars a year, then their their principal is never really going to amount to much. But but for the uh, for the doctor, the engineer, the entrepreneur who's putting in fifty grand a year into their SEP or into their four hundred one k, well, you know, it it doesn't take long for that amount to to actually add up. No, this is true. Good point. So so yeah, um, and I do happen to see the lovely and talented Carol Ellis joining us in the studio right now, which means it's just about time for her to tell you how the whole hiring freeze and budget cuts thing could affect your portfolio. So get ready. We'll be right back. Send your questions and comments to feedback at SDITalk.com. And don't even think about relying on what you've just heard as legal or professional advice because it's not that. And you know it. This show is the property of SDIP Trust. Copyright 2017. All rights reserved. 